Hello, and welcome to Underqualified Thoughts. My name is Andy, and I'm here with my brother-in-law, Caleb. And today, we have a very special guest. Tabitha is our fifth guest on the show, but the first guest of ours who is famous. Known as Tab the Recruiter today, Tabitha has humble beginnings in retail as a senior buyer and manager of a boutique gift shop. Tabitha then found her way into marketing before taking a career break to become a new mom and kick cancer's butt. With her newfound, strong-ass mindset, Tabitha entered the recruiting industry where she has become a household name. And most notably, she had the honor of interviewing Caleb and me during our job search last year. Tabitha, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited. This is finally happening. Thank you all so much. I'm very underqualified at booking with y'all. So this is where we are. And uh, I'm excited (laughs) we finally made it happen. Thank you. No, it is all good. We uh, we lost 10 minutes trying to set up the audio here. We are underqualified to host a podcast. So if you're underqualified to book as a guest, then you're in good company. So <laughs> the first question I have for you, I rattled off that intro. That was me trying to do my best, you know, Sean Evans impersonation from Hot Ones, where he just does like a deep dive on the guest and like does all this research. So I just creeped on your LinkedIn profile and pulled this all this. So can you confirm if everything that I said is correct? I believe so. You pulled out the Basha gifts. I was, uh, I was like, whoa, okay. I was surprised to hear that one. I love that. Good memories. (laughs) Yes. Uh, and and you know what? I really want to, I really want to highlight that last line because it's like, we've gone full circle here. What was it? Um, oh, and most notably she had the honor of interviewing Caleb and, uh, Caleb and Andy during our job search last year. We've really, I mean, we've just come full circle on this whole thing. We have. It's pretty incredible. The power of LinkedIn. And I had to laugh. I laughed internally very hard when you said I was famous. (laughs) But yeah. Come on now. (laughs) I was, uh, if you haven't listened to an episode before, our style is that we say the guest, like what number of guests they are, but the, they have, they're like the first something that they, you know, that they've done the first on our show. And so I was like, she's the first recruiter. She's the first like person with a personal brand. She's the first person to survive cancer. And then I looked at Caitlin, my wife, your former coworker, for help. And I was like, should I say she's the first guest to be famous? And she was like, yes, because she is. And I was like, perfect, <laughs> done. All right, well done. No, that's, that's too funny. Uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't know what to say to that. <laughs> That we're gonna take that as a yes. I'm underqualified to answer this question. <laughs> this is good. This it's is gonna be my like I plead the fifth. I'm just gonna say I'm underqualified. That's <laughs> we are we're in full support of that. So to pat myself on the back, I felt like I got a good meaty intro where I started with a joke and ended with a joke. But I put a lot of words in your mouth and we've already kind of touched on it. So the first general question is kind of How do you, in your own words, how do you know Caleb and I, and why are you here today for this podcast? There's like a ton of things that you can do. You're moving at a million miles an hour a lot. Like, why are you taking the time to sit down with us for 45 minutes to an hour to do this? Yeah. I mean, y'all are awesome. I have loved crossing paths. Like you said, I mean, Andy or Caleb, no, Andy, (laughs) I've worked with Caitlin and obviously cross paths with y'all on LinkedIn and from interviewing and just 
You both made such an extraordinary effort and not extraordinary as in like something weird, but just you both went out of your way to make an effort with me just to be interested in who I was, to keep in touch, just to keep that conversation going. And I think that's what a lot of people tend to miss in this whole connection and building meaningful relationships thing. So um, absolutely. I mean, I feel very honored to be asked to come just be here today to tell our stories. I think that I know that stories are that point of connection for so many people and people need people. So here we are. And uh, I'm excited to share some of my story and hear a little bit of yours as well throughout. I think that's the the best way to make it happen. So thanks again for inviting me. No problem. And I can say as well that we are honored. I would say at least equally honored, if not more, to have you on. And yeah, uh, we appreciate the permission to go on tangents, to share our story while you're sharing your story. And I appreciate the permission, not because we need it to do it, but it'll make it us feel better when we do it naturally and instinctively. So yeah, because we're definitely not the cohesive package outline version. Uh, I mean, we have some notes for this, but I would say that I'm more structured than Andy, but Andy is certainly more of the driver for the um, the widespread, let's get everything discussed type of thing. Yeah. So it's good. We we are who are who we are on these on these talks. And that's here. why that right. was another reason I said yes, because I knew that your responses to what I was saying to you made me feel like this is a really good fit. Because I'm not necessarily a super scripted person. I like to fly off the cuff. I like to go on tangents. I like to get excited and be passionate about things. And, you know, sometimes when you go on certain podcasts that are very like these are the questions and this is the order and it's very structured and there's nothing wrong with that. And there's something for everyone out there. I really believe that, but this is definitely something for me where I can just be myself. And, uh, and I think that's the most important thing in, in any type of a interview podcast situation. So. I like it. Yeah. Caleb is definitely right. He is the more structured one. I'm kind of the one who's fly by the seat of my pants and he has to pull me down to earth oftentimes and a little, just to nod towards the communication we had before, a little inside baseball for anyone who wants to be a guest on the podcast. I signed all of our emails as the underqualified thoughts team. And I'll out myself now that I wrote all of those emails. So anytime where it said like, we'll keep Andy in check, like I just full on went third person and was like, <laughs> we're keeping the brand voice. It's just so over the top. That's so <laughs> funny. I know. And when but I figured funny. out, I knew, obviously knew it was one of you or it could have been a combination of both of you just at any given time. Um, and then when I started to figure out who it was, it was just, it made me laugh. You make me laugh, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. Your, um, your email cracked me up when you said, uh, instead of saying sent from iPhone, it was like iPhone I typo, I sorry, or something like that. It was that. like, I like, apologize. I yeah. I can't take credit for that, though. I'll be honest. I, I just stole it from somewhere, you know, how they have those different options for the how you sign off on your mobile phone. So, um, but yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> that's great. All right. So what I'm going to do, I just had this idea. I don't know if it's a good idea. Since we decided to not be structured, I'm just going to read out the five bullet points that we have. You gave us four of them, and I added a fifth one in my research yesterday, just so that we can be like, hey, these are the all things we have decided that we want to talk about, knowing that we're not going to get to everything, so that anyone who listens to this can reach out to you and ask for more questions to talk about it. 
afterwards. So sound like cool. a good idea? Let's do it. All right. So the first one is fighting stage three colon cancer as a new mom. Brutal. The next one, starting your recruitment career. You said it was in IT and gaming, which you knew nothing about. You talked about being hired as the inaugural head of talent for Fringe, which is where you and Caitlin were coworkers. And then, of course, you're talking about building a personal brand on and off LinkedIn. And the fifth one that I threw in there, because I saw it on your LinkedIn profile and looked very interesting, was that you're a founding member of the Outlier Project. So that's like, I'm sure there's like a million stories there. So (laughs) you take it away, pick which one you want to start talking about, and then we'll go from there. Pick which one. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, you know, I feel like it all kind of started with cancer. So that's probably a good place to start because what led me deeper in my faith, what led me to my recruitment career, it all started the day that I found out I had stage three colon cancer as a 31 year old with an almost two year old. I had just gotten married four months prior to that. Um, and that's a whole nother story, but, um, basically I started having symptoms when I was pregnant with my daughter and I ignored them for a little while because, you know, Hey, underqualified and also, uh, pregnant for the first time trying to figure things out. And so once I had her and symptoms kind of kept happening and other new symptoms started surfacing, I was like, okay, let me start looking into this. Um, so I did, and I did it for about a year and, um, the, my PCP just never caught it, never suggested a colonoscopy, nothing like that. And so the week of my wedding, um, I ended up in the ER and a few days later I was sitting at my table at home, you know, doing my seating chart for my wedding while I was prepping for a colonoscopy. So it was, it was a bit crazy. And, uh, but the wedding went off without a hitch. I had a beautiful day. I thank God for that. And, um, you know, four months later, going to get a procedure done to remove some of the polyps they found that they thought were a bit abnormal. Um, I had gotten a biopsy back that they were not cancerous. And then four months later, I found out it was stage three. So threw me for quite a loop. But yeah, obviously navigating that. I mean, unless you've had cancer before, you don't know how to navigate cancer. And I knew right away that, you know, I remember standing in my kitchen with my sister talking about everything and just saying, I have this unbelievably like nagging feeling that I need to share my story. I don't know why. I just feel like I need, I need to. And so I started sharing just, I started journaling, um, talking about, you know, the different chemo treatments and kind of how I was feeling, uh, about this or that, you know, how I was feeling about my daughter and and just all of it, all the emotions that come along with, will I be here to see my daughter graduate from kindergarten, you know, not college, but like how long, you know, what's, what's going to happen and all these questions. So, um, I just started sharing everything and I started getting all this feedback of people saying, you know, your story helped me push me to get a colonoscopy or look at my health a bit differently. Um, or just think about the way that I live a bit differently, making the most of my minutes, things like that. And so I was like, this is cool. I mean, thanks God. Like you obviously put this on my heart for a reason. Let's roll with it. And so, um, that really was the beginning of a lot of my storytelling. Um, that was the beginning of me sort of building what I didn't know then to be a personal brand. Uh, I started on Facebook and ultimately 
move that over to the LinkedIn platform a bit more and integrated some more of the professional side. But all of that, you know, I finished up chemo and a few months later landed my first opportunity in recruitment as an IT and gaming recruiter. And I didn't know anything about recruitment. I didn't know anything about IT and gaming, but I knew a lot about people and building relationships and communicating and building those connections. And so, yeah, that's a little bit more about that. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. I think, well, I have a statement and then I have a couple follow-up questions to that because obviously there's a ton in that. So the the statement is obviously for us and underqualified thoughts, we, we basically just believe that sharing these conversations or these types of conversations can create a life or a place where people feel comfortable being underqualified. And so that that ecosystem or culture being applied to life can help impact your greater community for the better. So with that in mind, when you think about that that experience of cancer really out of nowhere at an early age while experiencing some of the bigger things in life, marriage, kids, you know, things like that, We've often idealized, Andy and I have often idealized being underqualified as being a piece of the um, like idea of imposter syndrome, where you're in a place where you don't feel like you should be, whether it's good or bad, and in this case it's bad, um, or at least you're experiencing the, the maybe the fears that are associated with that. So a quick question would be, what advice or how did you... Or how would you recommend people um, navigate through situations like that? Yeah, well, I think we're all presented with situations every day, some of which we're familiar with because we have been equipped in some way. And a lot of times we've been equipped and maybe we just don't realize it. So I think that's a piece of it is recognizing that everything you've been through up until this point has equipped you on some level to go through that next thing you're going through. But that's a, a real mindset shift. So I think that was what it was for me was a mindset shift, understanding that I've never had cancer, I've never had a baby, I've never been married. All these things are happening at one time. And I definitely felt underqualified. Even if I was going through one of those things, I would have felt like I don't know what I'm doing. Um, So it was just staying open. It was just communicating how I was feeling. It was asking a lot of questions it was a lot of that to get through all of it. And we stumbled through it. Trust me, we stumbled through it. I mean, when I started sharing my story, my family is a bit more private. So they didn't understand why I was sharing my story so publicly. Some people were like, you just want attention. And (laughs) when you know, like deep down in your heart, what's really going on, it was hard to hear some of those things. But I also think that's the benefit of leaning in so hard into my faith because I felt like I was doing exactly what I was meant to be doing. And that pushed me through the, any feelings of being unqualified. It helped me just forge through, keep going, figure it out. Really, it was like a day by day. I remember not really counting down my chemo. Like, of course, I knew where I was. I knew that if I was at chemo three and I had to get to chemo 12, but I also knew I couldn't think that far ahead. It was like, okay, today's chemo number whatever get through that, go home, take it step by step, day by day, moment by moment. And then when I get to the next chemo, cool. Okay, here we go. We start again. I was that much more equipped because I had gone through it a time before and so on. So yeah, I think it's just doing it right. A lot of us think about what it would be like in our head and we come up with all these uncertainties and 
that will spiral us out of maybe trying to do the thing that we need to do or just being overly anxious about it. And of course, I didn't love chemo. I felt terrible every time I did chemo. I felt worse than I did just having the symptoms from cancer. But I knew that the greater purpose was there. Um, I knew what I was striving towards. I knew that I wanted to do everything I could to be here for my daughter and, and my family. And so in doing that, I think it just was, it helped me go through it step by step and just really like, no, okay, I'm going to feel good on the X day through X day. I need to make sure I really make the most of those minutes. That's the days I'm going to take my daughter to the park and I'm going to do all this stuff when I'm not going to be in bed, you know, not, not able to do anything, kind of live the life. So it really changed my perspective on pretty much everything. Right. Yeah. It sounds like the advice, if I had to synthesize it, is that like, I'm sure you had a lot of time to think about it, you know, while you're laying in a bed or sitting in a hospital room or a doctor's office, just like having those moments of clarity where you're able to, instead of distracting yourself from the situation, like lean in, understand why you're here and what like your purpose is in that moment. Yeah. Because then you're able to make an impact rather than just letting it happen to you. Exactly. That's that's good. No, that's good because I think a lot of times what happens is people go through something and they identify that thing. Like you said, it's either good or bad. Let's say and in either instance, there's an opportunity and there's, there's a, there could be an opportunity or there could be a gap. Basically, you can use the situation and say, while I'm going through it, what can I learn? What can I do throughout the situation to basically like amplify it, to enhance it, to, you know, when I was going through cancer, I could have waited until I finished my cancer journey and then got integrated with supporting other cancer survivors and patients and caregivers um, because I would have had all the knowledge on the backside of it. But what I did was actually just start supporting other people right away. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have all the answers. What I knew, again, was that human-to-human connection. When I would be in my support groups, um, there would be people that would come to me and say, you know, we've seen your writing. We've seen how you share your story. I'm not really comfortable in the larger support group because there's a lot of information. There's a lot of, like, good and there's a lot of bad. But can you just maybe be with me one-on-one And I met some of the most incredible people that way and getting to be with them through their journey and support them in a way that they didn't feel supported in the broader group. And if I would have just said, oh, I'm not qualified or I don't know what I'm doing or let me just wait till I'm done with the situation to figure it all out, then none of those beautiful things would have happened. If I didn't care about audio quality and like making sure that everything is going smoothly here, I would have been standing up clapping my hands basically the manifestation of when i put on linkedin in all caps say it louder for people in the back Um, (laughs) because i have typed like to no end on linkedin in the comments section the gist of what you just said if you or not what you said what you like you modeled and you did we're all underqualified especially when we're going through something new for a first time but if you wait until the moment that you're qualified, you miss the opportunity to share the learning journey as it's happening. Like you will have gotten to the end. The same thing with, you know, going through labor, you know, like the whole thing when you give birth, you know, you forget how hard it was. And then you talk about it after like it was amazing and you can't wait to do it again. You know, not personal experience. What do you, yeah, what do you know about someone. birth, Andy? Um, <laughs> birth. Hey, hey, if I'm, 
if I'm allowed to say, to say, if I'm allowed to say we're pregnant, I can talk about this, okay? <laughs> um, and oh, that's, a good oh, that's comeback. so funny. That's good. The more appropriate comeback is you're right, I'm underqualified, but. Um, so the next time you have a baby andy what are what is it going to be like when you lay in the hospital bed and you're (laughs) dude honestly i just hope it's not like last time because pitocin is is awful um so yeah like that whole thing of like you know you look back on it i wouldn't say you like the whole point of looking back on a pregnancy with fond memories is because you have a baby in the end like cancer is different i guess like at the end you have your life which is pretty awesome um but you already had that before so the analogy breaks down there and I'm sure in other areas, but the fact that like, if you waited till you were qualified and you were fully healed and like you were, you know, quote unquote ready, then you're going to miss like the opportunity to communicate to someone what it feels like between appointment four and five or what it is to like be in the middle of it and not know what the result's going to be and holding that tension of like, yeah, we're doing the best thing that medical like solutions provide, but we still don't know if it's going to be enough. So yeah, that is like my comment of like applauding and clapping <laughs> and like celebrating what you're doing. And while you were talking, realizing that it was even more perfect to have you on the show than we ever thought. So oh, well, thanks. I have a, a pivot. I, I caught something that you said and I want to turn it, Let's do it to the recruitment or career. So for those who don't know, I trained as a financial advisor. I studied marketing in college. I had a strong interest in personal finance. And so I went to a financial advisor training program. There's a lot of things I didn't like about it, which is why I'm not here now, or I'm not in that career now. But one of the things that really bothered me is that I'm a people person, like you've described, Tabitha. And I had a really hard time having conversations where a specific end goal was celebrated like where we couldn't just have a conversation and just like see where it goes. Like I had to be structured. I had to walk you through this assessment and I had to like get you towards the end where I make you, I mean, like obviously at the end, like I'm trying to give you the best financial advice, but I got paid more if I sold you the product that works for that, like is native to our company. So I know that a lot of that is tied up and experienced in sales and in recruiting. So I just wanted to hear your aspect personally on that side of it how do you balance being a people person who genuinely cares about people and having like a business mindset and a goal that you are trying to push the conversation towards oh I love this question it gets me excited because it brings me back to where it really all just resonates for me it's like the core of what I believe in which is leave everyone better than you found them and the cool thing about that and and being a recruiter, which is why I love it so much, is because I get to talk to, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of people throughout any given month and, and you know, thousands across my career. And every single conversation is a chance for me to leave them better than I found them, for them to walk away feeling maybe more hopeful. You know, I can't give everyone a job. I can't, every single person I talk to, I'm, they're not going to end up in that position at the end of the day. And I think that part of, you know, what has helped me is a being super transparent about that on the front end. So my communication before our first phone screen together is here's what to expect. Like let's, we're interested in each other on some level. Cool. Let's unpack that. Um, We don't know what the outcome is going to be. Let's be okay with that and tell our truth anyway, because that's how we're going to find the best alignment. And so And doing that, 
I've expanded my career. I've expanded my community because people know that I care. People know they can trust me. And so that I feel like is what, what it's all about because at the end of the day, I'm going to fill a position and it's only going to be one person. So all those other people along the way, it's like, how can, how can you still make it something meaningful for them? Even if it's just a bit of resume advice or, Hey, have you thought about changing this on your LinkedIn or, Oh, you just told me you're super into this. Cool. You should meet this person and making introductions that are meaningful. And so that kind of a mindset it just, it absolutely has made my career that much more meaningful. Yeah. I think one thing you said in there that's resonated with me for the past, I guess I've known you for, well, almost a year now. No, mm-hmm. a year. A year, actually, yeah. Is, is the idea of sharing your truth. Um, and obviously in a world where there's, well, the world says there's less and less absolute truth. It's, it's challenging because you'll get people across the span of LinkedIn and, well, any platform this business and and the recruiting and the whole hiring space where it feels like every individual comes into a uh, interview or at least it's my perspective from you know someone that's been hired it feels like every person has their own little maybe frustration or or bent through the entire job seeking process so i guess that my question would be as you're sharing your truth how often um, do you have to try to, and maybe not, but how often do you have to try to extinguish some of those frustrations that job seekers have in the whole process? Yeah, that's a good question because people do come into each conversation with whatever happened to them before, right? The perspective, your experiences, all those types of things. And so when I'm chatting with the candidate, one specific candidate is coming to mind and it's been more than just one, but I remember he came into the interview just so defeated and he didn't say that he was defeated, but I could hear it in his voice. And I know what happens with recruiters. They don't take the time to not saying all recruiters, but they don't take the time to call that out. They gloss over it. They try to push through the interview and get what they need. And I just stopped for a moment and said, listen, if I may, I told you that this is going to be a transparent conversation. So you sound defeated. I don't blame you, but let's talk about that a little bit more. And he unpacked it for me. And I said, okay, can we start fresh right now? Let's just start fresh. I learned a little bit more about your story, where you're coming from. That's cool. Like, let's just start over. Let me ask you the questions again. Let me just help to set you up for success. Because I felt like coming into that conversation, there's no way he was setting himself up for success um, because of just, you know, rightfully so. It's the job search, search process is very challenging. So when we did that, the whole dynamic of the conversation changed. That defeat was no longer in his voice. It was like, I feel hopeful. And I think that that is what recruiters should be doing in their jobs is giving someone hope, not hope that they're going to get that job necessarily because they might not, but hope through telling the truth by setting those realistic expectations and letting someone know, like, I hear you. I see you. I, I feel the pain of what you feel right now. And I, I, I might not be able to take it all away, but I can at least do my part to make it a little bit better. So absolutely, everybody comes into the conversation with their own level of like, where am I right now in this moment, in this world? And I think that the strength of a good recruiter is to recognize that and and call it out, not in like a, oh my gosh, you're acting this way, but in a, 
I'm here for you. Let's just unpack that. Take two minutes to unpack it and then move forward and have such a better conversation than you would have had. Open up the the doors of, of trust and, and give that person a reason to want to tell you more about their story so you can ultimately put all the pieces back together and find the right kind of alignment for both the candidate and the client, the company that you know, you're trying to serve. Well, and it's interesting that that mindset doesn't, it doesn't just apply to the job space. It probably is highlighted with recruiting, but, but it, that applies everywhere. You know, as you're relating to people in your family or community or your workplace, you could just put the clause of be a good human. You know, like that's, that's what we're called to do and to speak truth, to listen to each other and to understand uh, what, what we're really saying, you know, how, how someone actually feels um, underneath the, all the, the jargon you might throw out in a day-to-day basis. Yeah, I mean, like, I could give a quick example really about my, my daughter. Like, she comes home, we have to do these timed math tests, which in third grade feels a little crazy to me, right? Like, I, and I don't know about you, but I've <laughs> never had to t- be timed in any math in my professional career. So not in, like, a two-minute, 30-second kind of way. So, you know, she would come home, she would get I, really anxious and... Ultimately, it boiled down to us figuring out that she wasn't anxious over the math. She was anxious over the time constraint put on the math, which then, you know, obviously messed with her brain and all of that stuff. So it really does translate into any area of your life of just, okay, just figure out a little bit what the underlying root of the issue is. And once you can do that, you can much easier, much more easily find out a solution. Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying there of like, yeah, like the the math portion of it doesn't really make sense. But what you were able to do and see in that moment by listening, hearing, and paying closer attention, like you noticed that your daughter was being stressed out by a component that's going to be there for the rest of her life. Like she's going to have not even just in a job, but just like the ever-increasing world where there's however many apps on your phone and a ton of people trying to get your attention at once. Like she's going to have something that she wants to do and get done and like move towards. And Mm -hmm. there's going to be tons of people vying for her attention and time. And in that moment, obviously I don't think she's able to grasp what you're doing for her there, but you're setting the foundation for her to be able to like sense what's going on around her, what she's feeling and name that so that she's able to address it appropriately rather than just, you know, doing what I did for my middle school, high school, and college years was just like, you know, take those feelings, you have a little jar, and you just shove <laughs> every single last feeling into that jar. Mm. And then then your wife starts poking at it in marriage, and then it's a painful <laughs> jar that you have to unpack. But then you unpack it, and you can move forward, right? And And you don't have it taking up space, maybe the same way that it used to take up space. And, and I can imagine those moments are isolating. I've gone through similar. I mean, I had a good childhood. I love my parents, but they weren't the greatest communicators. And so maybe that's why I went <laughs> the completely opposite direction of over communicating. But I would much rather do that. And I found, especially in recruitment, that, you know, as my husband, he might give you a different answer. But um, in recruitment, it really goes a long way. Because when I think I'm over communicating, I'm actually communicating just enough to keep everybody in the loop and to make people feel like they haven't fallen off the radar. So yeah, it absolutely transfers over. And then just to to stand up for you and all the recruiters, recruiters are people too, people. 
Um, they're <laughs> <That's> trying. <great. laughs> Tabitha is over communicating to no end, and you're still wondering why you haven't gotten an email from her in the past week. She's trying, okay? I am trying. Uh, I am. <laughs> so that was a lot of good insight. And what I'm noticing this episode is I am I'm really looking for transitions to points. There are things you're saying, and I'm like, ooh, and my brain is connecting them to something else. So here's my attempt to over-communicate that and hope this one lands. I noticed when you said that back when you were talking about cancer, you were in the ER the week before your wedding, and then you were like planning your wedding seating while just like chilling at home, waiting for your test results and all that stuff. But then your wedding went off, and it was great. And so this is my comment to transition us into social media, because if we don't talk about LinkedIn for a good chunk of the show, the people are going to be disappointed. They're going to come for their heads. <laughs> you had just gone to the emergency room. You were like finding out that you had cancer and your life was in one area falling apart, but you were able to like go through the process, celebrate and have a super fun wedding which is obviously a blessing but looking at that from the outside in i'm sure there were people sitting at that wedding like people who wanted to get married or people who are like just really down at that moment are looking at you and your husband being like wow they have it all together isn't it so great for them that their life is put together and so like it felt like it was a very poignant image of that you got to have your wedding day in the middle of that and that's of course something that's just exacerbated on social media like we can just post the highlights we're not mm-hmm. on there 24-7. We're not a real version of ourselves. When I post on LinkedIn, I say follow my page for more, even though it's my personal page because like, you're not seeing me. You're not seeing the me who gets like irritated when Lily is bothering me or I feel like she's bothering me. You mm-hmm. don't see the when I get irritated and I'm short with Caitlin. You don't see the when Caleb and I have conflict and we have to resolve that and people aren't seeing the fact that you know or you're about to find out that you have stage three colon cancer so that was super long-winded no one's surprised by that that i wasn't able to be concise with that image but i just wanted to call that out that i saw that in your story get your thoughts on it and then let's move into talking more about linkedin yeah yeah i mean that's why i try to share As much as I could. Of course, like, I wasn't going to share every fight I had with my husband during that time on social media. That's his privacy, too, right? Um, So that just wasn't necessary. But, you know, when you share, like, today was a really hard day, or this is where my mind is right now. Again, thinking about my daughter so much and just, like, not wanting her to grow up without a mom, but knowing I had no real control over that. You know, I don't know when my last day on this earth is going to be. So all I could do was just fight in the meantime, as hard as I could, you know, fight for my life. And in seeing, you know, I've lost so many in the colon cancer community that some, in some cases I look at pictures of events I've been to, and I'm one of the only ones still here on this earth. And that, that almost brings me to tears. That's heavy. It's a heavy blessing because you, I mean, you just look around and you're like, why, why did they not make it? You know, they were advocating just as hard or harder than I was for the colon cancer community. You know, why, why did, why was it their time and and things like that? So yeah, it's just, it's sharing the realness of, 
you know, like I shared a post on Facebook the other day about a friend who had passed away um, in the colon cancer community. She was a 38 year old mom of two. And uh, I, you know, I said, I, I don't know why I was saved and, and you weren't. And, and that's the reality of the situation. And so I just try to be as real as I can. Um, cause you're going to see pictures of me sitting in my chemo chair, smiling, holding up, you know, the number of whatever chemo it was. Um, but at the end of the day, like it wasn't a happy, uh, a happy moment having that pumped into me and the way that I was feeling. And I could say this because I'm here and I, I have that blessing, but you know, I am so grateful that I went through what I went through because I did grow through that journey immensely. And I do call on it as something that takes up space just enough to remind me of where I want to keep going and what my purpose here on this earth is. And so all of that, you know, leads back to, again, sharing on LinkedIn and just growing. I didn't know at the time that what I was doing, I just started sharing. I just knew that sharing a story was really important and that people would be connected over that story. And not everyone would like me or like my story, and that's okay. It would find the right people and it would repel the right people. And maybe somebody heard it today and five years from now, they're like, oh my gosh, wait, that one girl that one day posted about all this stuff and now it's coming full circle. So, I mean, I have so many examples of how LinkedIn has changed my life just because I decided to, to hit post and share my truth. Yeah. Yeah. That's big. Like just the willingness to be transparent is huge. Cause like I mentioned earlier is that it's just so easy to cover it up. It's so easy to just post a picture of you smiling with your hands up for chemo and not say anything other than that. It's like today was a good day. Like, like, no, like that was a moment where things were really hard around it, but you smiled for the camera and there are things to be grateful for, but that moment in itself was very painful. And then sharing that, you know, just creates a place where other people can realize that you're human and that you don't have to be some buttoned up, polished up person on a resume. You can be your real self, still be professional and make an impact. Yeah. yeah. I mean, when I was in chemo, when I, when I think back about that time, I don't like, yeah, it'd be easy for me to think about my first chemo when I ended up back in the treatment center because I was so dehydrated. I couldn't even stand up. I was lethargic. My father-in-law had to wheel me in. You know, I could think about that. And I do. I think about it, though, from a grateful point of view where I'm, I had somebody in my corner who was willing to do that for me. Every time I went to chemo, I had a new chemo box to open from friends and family members that kind of took charge and were in each overseeing one chemo. And so every time before I'd go to chemo, I'd always have something to open, something to look forward to, a new person that would accompany me and literally spend, take off work and spend their entire day with me at the treatment center while I got chemo, went through my doctor's appointments and like slept, you know, while I fell asleep in the chair, they just sat there. I think about my care team, the people that were there for me, you know? And so it's all about what you choose to focus your mindset on. Yeah, I could think about how I couldn't shower for almost a week after my first chemo. And when I did, I cried in the shower like a baby because I, I did it. <laughs> I got out of bed. I showered by myself. It was a milestone. It felt like so triumphant in the moment or the time that I was rounding out chemo. I was nearing the end of my journey in terms of the chemo. 
And I remember I went outside and I used my push mower and I mowed my lawn for 45 minutes and I came back in and I just cried on my stairs because I was like, I, I did it. Like I wasn't able to do this a month ago. Um, and here I am, like I was able to do it. So it's like those, those little moments, like I shared those, I shared that I couldn't shower. That's gross. Nobody wants to know that TMI, right? Like you didn't shower what, but it's very real. And someone going through that is going to understand and feel less alone because I decided to share that piece of my story. And that is what, that's what gets me. And that's what keeps me going. Wow. I mean, that's a powerful story. I'm in powerful life, everything going on there. Thank you for sharing. We appreciate it. I especially appreciate it as someone who experienced a lesser trauma with my shoulder surgery. I can attest it is a very triumphant moment when you can raise your arm again and wash your own armpit. It (laughs) is. Yeah, it's one of those moments where it's like, I'm so happy that I can do something that I never thought I would be happy to do. It's stuff you take for granted, right? (laughs) It's the stuff you think you can do every day. I can lift my arm up right now. But guess what? After I had a preventative double mastectomy, I couldn't move my arms more than an inch or two up. I had to go through physical therapy and I came out being able to get my full range of mobility back. But guess what? In between that time, my mother-in-law and sister-in-law were showering me. So like, it's not all roses and unicorns and butterflies, whatever. But in that moment, it was so beautiful because those people did that for me, you know? So it's just, it comes down to people feeling like they aren't alone. That's, I think, what gets a lot of us in this world. And we just went through Suicide Prevention Month and all of this. And it's like, people just don't feel heard or seen. They feel alone in this digital age. And it's, this is a whole nother tangent, but it's why when my daughter is ready for a phone, it will be something that without social media. And we're setting that precedent now. At eight years old, I'm like, I don't know when you're going to get a phone, but when you do, this is what it's going to be like. And you need to understand this and you need to understand why. And all of that, I think, comes together to then make it so we don't have a fight. Sure, she might still not be happy and we're not there yet, but I feel like the more I can lay the groundwork now, which is what all this is, all this storytelling on LinkedIn and all of this, it's, it's laying the groundwork for community and laying the groundwork for people to feel less alone, to feel like, hey, you know, I don't think anyone's in my corner. They start their day thinking that and they end their day think maybe coming across me or somebody with a mindset. I'm not saying just me and I don't want that to come off like arrogant, but they come across somebody in their life. Like that's why I say one conversation can change everything. When you take the time to really see the people around you, you have the opportunity to literally change their entire life by caring You know, even if you think, oh, no big deal. I gave that person 30 minutes of my time. No big deal. Well, guess what? It was a huge deal to that person. And maybe they'll never tell you that. But I've come across too many Mm -hmm. situations and I've heard too many people come back to me and tell me that what I did for them was just like unbelievable for them. And to me, I was like, oh, it's just like what I love to do. I just I saw an avenue to help you. And I and I did that. And then they might come back a year later and say, man, the thing you said to me, like, saved my life. Or it changed my job search trajectory or whatever, you know? So just trying to create those opportunities. Yeah, that's, I mean, like having that mindset and that perspective is something that is, like, is special. To just be able to, like, take yourself out and be self-aware of the situation that you're in 
and understand the impact that you can have on others. You know, just a little thing that you can do goes a long way. And like you said, building that foundation, not just for yourself and your family and your daughter, by like sharing that story. I had never heard about, shout out, Nate Randall and the beautiful people at Gab. We don't have a, a podcast brand sponsor, but you know, you can be the first. Um, <laughs> I had never, I knew that Lily eventually is going to like, you know, we hope she gets older and lives a full life. And so like, we're going to have to make decisions about things that we're not even thinking about right now. But the fact that you are talking about what you're doing with your daughter and social media right now is giving me the space to think about that. And like, I didn't know Gab existed. I thought the options yep. were like phone or no phone. Um, I didn't mm-hmm. know that, you know, all of these other things that I've learned about through you posting on LinkedIn, the products that people are making, like, uh, like I'm a product manager. I would love to work on a product like that, that has like a, a mission and a vision and is like genuinely impacting people's lives. And so from so many aspects of my personal story, like hearing you talk about Gab and then of course meeting the phenomenal Leslie Wyrich and like all Mm -hmm. the amazing things that she is doing about how I've never, I don't know anyone personally who's committed suicide. So like hearing her talk about that and what she went through with her son and what it means to be there for someone as simple as listening is like, you're talking about things that I haven't experienced and it's making a big impact because I'm able to hear it from someone who's been through it and it's able to get me to think about it. So I'm not just reacting when the moment comes. Yep. Yeah. I went to a, a worship concert last night and, you know, in the middle of all these worship concerts, they have the thing about like world vision or these different, um, I forget all the names, but where you can, um, essentially, kind of adopt a child, not really adopt them, but just send a monthly payment and it helps them with things like food and water and school and, and different things like that. And I mean, every time before those, they've got somebody sharing their testimony, somebody sharing a story, um, that leads up to that. That's compelling people to then, if you just walked up to me and said, Hey, will you just give money to this world vision? And that was all you said. I would have so many questions. I'd be like, well, what's world vision? Like, tell me more about it. What's the mission? Why should I care? Right. And at the end of the day, that's what storytelling is. It's, it's usually you're trying to influence someone in some type of way, or again, maybe it's whatever your outcome is for me. It's, you know, whether it's wanting just offer someone hope or connect the dots to something like Gab at the end of the day, you've got some type of outcome you're, you're hoping for. And then that's how we, we get there is by telling our stories. So yeah, really important. Well, we want to be cognizant. um, Yeah. We were just going to say, we would be cognizant of your time. And that's a really good kind of place to, to conclude. And if you were to summarize maybe in one sentence, which I know is impossible, but for those listening, if they were to listen to one sentence from you to really encapsulate what you have I've talked about today. What would that one sentence be? Honestly, this feels right. So I'll go with Ezra ten four. Arise, for it is your task. And we are with you. Be strong and do it. It's a great place to be. Yeah. I was waiting for something about uh, fostering unlikely connections to transform people one conversation at a time <laughs> or whatever your, your bio is. <laughs> hey, just share your story. Share your story and, and 
it's going to feel scary, but that's why I say arise for it is your task and we are with you because there's community. There's people out there that need to hear your story, that want to hear your story and they don't even know it yet. So just do it. Just start. That is such a good message. And from our personal vantage point, like we feel, I'm going to speak for you, Caleb here. We feel feel free. The, like in certain moments of this conversation, like we felt the gravity and the weight of your story and just it feels we said it kind of tongue in or I said it tongue in cheek in the beginning. Like we're honored to have you here too. But like I, I understand how valuable your time is because I perceive how valuable my own time is. And the fact that we're able to personally hear from you directly is like phenomenal enough. Obviously, we're trying to post this online and share it to people so that they can experience it as well. But if an audio file gets corrupted and this doesn't go out, I'll be sad because other people didn't get to hear it. But I'm just like genuinely moved, thankful, grateful that you are sharing your story on the internet so that you could become famous and we could find you (laughs) and we could have this conversation right here. Oh, you're funny. Hey, well, that's the cool thing about you just don't know what the outcome's ever going to be, right? I mean, it's not about me at the end of the day. And I think that's another important point about the storytelling is, yes, some people will share their story for all the fame and riches or whatever it might be. But I I don't get paid to share my story. You know, it has helped me in my career and my life personally, professionally, but it's not what I do for a living it was just something I felt on my heart that was important to start doing. And so I did it and what has come out of it are great relationships like these. So I, uh, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Let's go. And here we're going to go. Caleb, do you have something to say before I make this clean segue? No, I was just going to say thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Very much. Oh, yeah. And so to do a clean outro, cause we've never done a one, one of those before. I'll say something that we don't plan on stopping anytime soon is this podcast because we started it as a time capsule. So we could, as we said earlier, where we met you, we did it when we felt underqualified during our career transitions. And as we were becoming dads and trying to help our pregnant wives and we're still recording and having conversations with people like you, because we believe that feeling underqualified and doubting our abilities is part of the human experience. And so we want to be able to share that with people And by sharing those conversations, we can help you feel comfortable being underqualified. And you can take that mindset, that culture, that perspective, that whatever you want to call it, and impact your in-person community for the better. And you know what? Talking to your brother-in-law is a really simple, straightforward (laughs) hobby. No matter what happens in our lives, no matter how many ailments we have, I want to at least be able to hopefully talk to Caleb and record that and One last thing, we're self-aware. We're doing all of this while we're learning how to become underqualified ourselves. So thank you for listening along. Tabitha, roll out the red carpet, give you all your flowers. Thank you so much for being here. And I'm sorry that we took you within two minutes of your hard drop dead time. It's not off brand, but we need to get better at it. No, all good, you guys. I hope this brings you closer together too, uh, just in, in hearing and growing and learning. And so it's awesome. Thanks for having me. No problem.